Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into Attacking Third on this beautiful Wednesday. I'm Jenny Chu, joined by Lisa Carlin, Christine Cupo, and Darian Jenkins. Beautiful women. How is this wonderful Wednesday? I mean, it's beautiful, Jenny. The sun is finally shining here on the East Coast. It's been raining what feels like for years. I don't know how those Pacific Northwesterners do it. England, anyone that just lives in a, a stormy, rainy climate. Because I saw the sun today for the first time I about four days, and I was pretty happy. Christine, did you see the sun? I have seen the sun. I embrace the sun. I, I started my sun salutations today. There you go. Oh. I, I needed to get it all in this morning. I, too, do not. I suffer in the rain yes. really badly. But now I'm having a 15 out of 10 day. I'm here with you guys oh, as well. Wow. Darian? Man, I can't top that. Top that one. <laughs> I mean, my, again. my hair is loving that it's not raining. I'm loving that it's not raining. It's a good day. Love it is with a you good guys. day. All right, let's go ahead and go straight into the news where the NWSL expansion side Bay FC have named their first head coach, Albertine Montoya, who most recently served as the interim head coach of the Washington Spirit in 2022. He has deep ties to Northern California where he grew up and he played professionally in the 90s. His coaching history in women's soccer dates back to 1999 as co-head coach of the California Storm in the WPSL. He also won a championship with FC Gold Pride in the WPS in 2010. Darian Jenkins, you played for this man. Tell us about him. I did. Albertine was actually my coach, I think, when I was 15 to 17 years old with the U.S. national team, um, and he took us to a World Cup. And I actually feel that that's where I developed most as a player. I've never had a coach up until that point that looked at me holistically as a human being on the field and off the field. Um, and so I think that just being part of that, I was so happy to see that he's the coach because, like I said, he looks at you as a whole person. He's also been a coach at every single level, which I think is what we've talked about on the show. U.S. soccer has been missing. NWSL has been missing these coaches that are overqualified for these positions and know how to develop people at every mm -hmm. stage of their careers. And it's not just to come in and kind of put a bandage over what's been done before. So I love that Bay FC is doing this. I think it's a huge step in the right direction. And I'm, as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, should he make a run for like the national team spot? Like, <laughs> That's what? actually what came into my head when yeah. you mentioned that he had coached you at the youth national team level. That's typically a part of the buildup is you've coached at the youth teams and then now you're on the full team roster mm -hmm. and you seem to vouch for him pretty strongly. 
Yeah, no, he's he's really a great coach. He's overqualified. He's worked at the youth, the national team level, worked in women's sports before. He's a good person, a kind person, which we love to hear that. We need that in the sport. We need this in the NWSL. So it's a great move in the right direction, and I wish him all the success. I think specifically for Bay FC, it's really crucial that they got someone that knows the area. Mm -hmm. Not only did he play there, but he also coached in the WPS in the Bay Area. And uh, looking at the NWSL as a whole, which is what you have to do in this situation, is Montoya is now has to prepare for free agency. Remember, that's happening in the NWSL. Now those conversations can start because the team has a head coach um, for the club. They've got an expansion draft coming up, and they've also got the 2024 draft for the college players that are coming into the league. So not only does he have to balance bringing players in free agency back to the Bay Area where they want to go, um, he has to convince them to play to, in a brand-new club, which typically doesn't do too well in the NWSL coming in as an expansion club. He's got a steep hill to climb, but considering all his accolades and his resume, he seems like the perfect man for the job. He also will be bringing in his own staff um, during this time period while he brings in those players and the structure of what that team will look like in Bay FC. But it seems like they have, you know, a good foundation going there. We've mm -hmm. talked to Bay FC on the morning show and other things. So we'll continue to watch what Albertine Montoya does there. In more NWSL news, Angel City announced yesterday that the club has picked up the option to extend Sidney LaRue's contract through December of 2024. The former U.S. Women's National Team forward and 2015 Women's World Cup winner was traded to the club midseason from the Orlando. Orlando Pride in 2022. But when we talk about Sydney LaRue the past season, we have to talk about her injuries because she's been out and missing for a ton of the time due to injury, Christine. I think she's a hard playing player. I, I think it happens as she starts to progress in age, but I think that she's still rock solid. I think that she's worked through everything that's kind of hit her beautifully. I think that, you know, extending her contract was the right move. I still have the utmost faith in her as a player. Yeah, I think a lot of people do, despite the injuries that she has faced. Every time she does step back on the pitch, it's like she hasn't missed a beat at all. And this is really good stability for Angel City moving forward. They're still on the hunt for a new head coach. They've got intern Becky, Becky Tweed running the team right now, but they've got a lot of injuries across the board. And when you look at the roster as a whole, forward Simone Charlie is going to be back next season. Kristen Press yes. alongside Sydney yes, LaRue. I mean, shout. There are so many players that are going to continue to come Come back into this team and right now they're they're in a, the push for the playoffs this year and if they continue to solidify their roster moving forward have that consistency it'll only help them in the league play that's gonna be fun to watch Kristen oh, Preston I can't wait what to a, like, see her back. and Alyssa Thompson and they have Amandine yeah. Henri coming back they've Danny, Danny oh. Weatherholt in the middle June that, that front line, June that is Endo. and then that front lineup. line with yeah yeah Charlie Press uh, I know. Sid. Savannah McCaskill is going to have a field game. Savannah McCaskill. Like ripping in balls. My <laughs> gosh, yeah. What a team. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, that's a, that's a good-looking squad. And this is a team that knows where Sydney LaRue is in her injury. So although we mention her injuries and her missing, they know where she's at when she, they're extending mm -hmm. this contract. So hopefully we get a lot more time of, of Sydney LaRue and her, her kiddos celebrating on the side. Oh, they're so <laughs> cute. They'll never get old. Uh, moving on to Spain, former head coach Jorge Vilda has been summoned to testify before the court in the Luis Rubiales sexual assault case. Rubiales is under investigation for the crimes of sexual assault and coercion for giving Jenny Hermoso an unwanted kiss at the Women's World Cup trophy ceremony. Vilda has been asked to testify as a suspect in the case on October 10th, according to a statement made by the courts. This changes the status of Vilda from witness to suspect. Uh, we move on now because the Nations League 
is on. And these are the results that we've been seeing. Lisa, there have been some interesting, I mean, England. Yeah, 2-1 over Scotland. I mean, I have to look at match day one. Germany falling 2-0 to Denmark. That's one that is for sure insane because then they play Iceland and they bounce back four goals against Iceland. I mean, the inconsistencies have been a little bit all over. I mean, Sweden as well. They fall to Spain 3-2. That was a intense game, lots of goals back and forth, play off the woodwork. Then Sweden goes to Italy and, and they play against the Italians in a, a rough game for Sweden. They didn't look too good. They didn't have a lot of chances. The opportunity that they did score, the one and only, it came off a deflection of an Italian defender's foot before it found the back of the net. I, I think there's a lot that these players are dealing with coming after the World Cup and all the show that was there. And, and you look at Italy and uh, there's been a lot of controversy, I'll just well, say, after mm -hmm. that game. Before we get into the other matches, when we talk about that Italy against Sweden match, one of the big things, Christine, is that stadium is a fifth division men's stadium that they played in. That's not great. <laughs> yeah, Stadio Teofilo Patini. Um, it is. Uh, it's in Eccellenza. Eccellenza? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, which they play in that division for promotion to set a D. It uh, has about a 7,000 person capacity, which isn't awful for a women's side, but when you look at prioritization, I would say, in terms of field stadiums and allocations in Italy, all of the leagues are currently in season. However, I find it hard to believe that they couldn't find a better place for them to have played in the entire country. And so much of it is, of course, the size of the stadium, but really the location. It's in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Very hard to get there via mass transport. Exactly. It's basically in the middle of a forest. In the middle is what of the nowhere said. in Abruzzo. It, it's yeah. very hard. So not only is it a, a stadium that's maybe a little bit smaller than these teams are used to playing in, especially coming from Australia and New Zealand at mm -hmm. the World Cup, uh, the fans have to, you know, go through ups and downs in an obstacle course just to get to the stadium. I mean, Aslani, the, a forward, she plays with Milan on this Italian national team. She spoke out about it, and she said, um, that if you put us in a big arena, see what happens and see who shows up. She also yep. made a pretty funny comment saying that they saw more animals <laughs> than they did people playing in the forest, uh, trying to make light of a very serious and frustrating situation for these players. I think Aslani probably knows better than many of the others because she has played in Serie A Femenile. Mm -hmm. um, they weren't considered professional until this past season. Yeah. So, and that's within the eyes of the governing body in the political sphere of Italy as a country. So, yes, there's been progress that's happened, but it's slow. And I think it's, that the expectations are not being met yet as a whole. And it's, mm -hmm. progress is also not linear in right. the sense that if it happens on one stage, it doesn't necessarily translate. And that's, I think, the biggest thing we're seeing from this match being held where it was. Not only stage-wise, but country-wise and where yeah. we are in the hemisphere and, and different things like that. But uh, there's going to be much more coming on Attacking Third after we just talked about Italy and seeing animals on the field. Uh, we're going to be talking <laughs> about the Jamaica against Canada Olympic qualifier with Canada. Moving on. You won't want to miss it. Stick with us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Last night, Canada became the second team from CONCACAF to qualify for the 2024 Paris Olympics with a 2-1 win over Jamaica. We saw that their first leg was a 2-0 win, so aggregate 4-1 to become one of the 12 teams going to this Olympic Games. Talk me through these emotions for this Canadian side that had been struggling, didn't have a great showing in the World Cup, and now they're back in the Olympics in a short amount of time. For Canada, it's really good that they turned this around. I mean, you look at the history for Canada at the Olympics. They've been at the last four, and they've picked up medals at the last three. Two bronze, and now they are the reigning gold medalists. However, they fell really flat at the World Cup. They underperformed. Um, they they just didn't do well. So this was a really good chance for them to reestablish themselves in CONCACAF and secure that number two spot for the Paris Olympics. I think they looked a lot more solid than I anticipated, especially with some of the injuries that they had picked up and some of the just changes tactically that they had to make. Um, obviously, I, full disclosure, was rooting for Jamaica all along, but um, I, I no guess... No need for full disclosure. You said it on the show. We know. <laughs> yeah, right. They're like, run the clip back. Christine was full on Jamaica. Um, you know what? Sometimes sometimes I'm wrong. I admit it, but uh, my heart is still with Jamaica. I, I, I hope we see that squad reemerge, but Canada will be a force once again, I think. They'll restructure and move forward. It wasn't the cleanest game, though, Mm -mm. to be honest. They had moments where they fell apart and and they just couldn't capitalize. um, And Jamaica really couldn't pick things up. Jamaica struggled, too. It was, for me, their performance was they did what they could with what they had in the amount of time that they had to sort of get that together. I also don't think Jamaica looked bad. They yeah. had scoring opportunities. Yeah. Canada was exposed, and I think if they if Jamaica had a little bit more time and played just had better circumstances going into this game, I do think it would have been much closer. I was still on the edge of my seat. Jamaica could right. have taken it. So I think Canada still has a lot to build on, but so does Jamaica, sadly. Yeah, Drew Spence with that goal makes you let you know. Mm-hmm. The free kick comes up. You got her. Uh, Christine, take us to these highlights. Oh, uh, yeah. This this goal gets me hyped every single time I've watched <laughs> it's it. So and good. I keep rewatching it's it. I'm not so going to lie. Um, 33rd minute uh, free from Drew Spence. We'll wait for our little or march out with our. Ooh, here we go, right? The most definitive strike. Look at that. Top bins. Absolutely guaranteed top bins, no question. That was absolutely unsavable right over the wall. And you know what? All the hype in the world. Second goal here we had with by Lacoste in the 39th minute off a set piece. Boom, easy goal. Really should have had a body in there to block that. Then we have uh, Jordan Huetema at the 50th minute. Watch this cut. Bop. Header, another bouncer right She's in. She's lethal with her head. Mm-hmm. You know, you always need if one. Ashley Lawrence putting that into the box. No trouble for Jordan Heidma. Jamaica getting the opening goal, I think it woke up Canada mm-hmm. in that moment because after that opening goal from Drew Spence on the set piece, Canada had a bit more energy in them. They were then had more intention when they moved forward with the ball, whether they were swinging it from side to side. Um, Grasso did a great job centrally in the six to do that. Uh, They're playing in that three back, which is different for Bev Priestman than what we saw at the World Cup. That adds a layer and a wrinkle of versatility in this Canadian side, which is only going to help them moving forward. We've talked about it so much on the U.S. side of things, the fact that they didn't switch up formations. They didn't have that versatility. And Canada can add that card to their playing deck and continue to grow and go from a three-back to a four-back to a three-five-two to mm-hmm. a three-four-three. Whatever they can rotate around against their opposition is only going to help them. Absolutely. With that Olympics coming in so quickly, and for those players to be the same players that are playing in that World Cup, it's a little bit different. You know, you see that Christine Sinclair potentially 
playing in this Olympics or not, we're not sure. And then when it comes to the United States, a ton of these players on their way out as new players are on their way in. It's all what we're looking forward to, no? This, this Olympics, to see these 12 teams, um, we see a glimpse of that in this Canadian side. But I just want to make a note, guys. The attendance at BMO Stadium was 29,212, and that is the largest ever for the men's or the women's national teams uh, in Ontario. That's incredible. I've played in BMO. Uh, the men's, uh, was it Toronto? Toronto, Toronto. plays at BMO. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I had never seen it full like this. Like that, when there was goals, when there was moments there, that, that was incredible to see Canada turn out for their women's side. There's the need there, right? They have the audience. I think we get so focused on the rah-rah watch women's sports that we forget that the audience exists. You just need to provide the forum for them to actually congregate. And so you see this and you see success. success. And hopefully this reinforces that there is the need and the demand. Yeah, and it's a huge testament to how far Canada's come and... I hope their federation is taking note and saying, yes, oh my yes. gosh, we really need to give these players what they deserve because look at how many people showed up and just the success that they're having and this qualification solidifies that. So I hope that this helps the players fight to get the things that they deserve, be backed by their federation, have all of their needs met because it's only going to get bigger and bigger from here. And especially with the league coming into Canada, exactly. I love that that happened. It's poetry, perfect timing. Um, and I'm really happy for this Canadian squad, I think. This formation suits them really well. It allows Ashley Lawrence to get up the field and see her 1v1 ability and get those crosses in. And Canada's so good in the air. I think that yeah. that's what they need to bank on. They're similar to Sweden in the way that they play with the crossing and the finishing. And that's what's going to lead them to success in the Olympics. And so many different goal scorers for Canada. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. They've got a lot of weapons that they utilize. Some players become hot and cold, but when you find that balance amongst the players, it's it's really good. And mm -hmm. I think they had a bit more energy playing at home. Yeah. The players have been preaching it for years. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. They didn't get a World Cup send-off game. They didn't play in their home country in front of their fans. Well, I mean, a lot uh, of things go down to that, Lisa, though. Like, their federation filed for bankruptcy. Yes. So it's not that they're just yeah. saying, yes. no, we don't want to give you anything. Like, it's literally them saying, look, we got nothing. Right. Yeah, I mean, th these players have been fighting We're with the Federation. Poorly. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and not paying them. I mean, it's been a fight between Canada and the Federation, right? So they play at home. They, they make this sellout crowd and a great performance. Mm -hmm. They qualify for the Olympics. Right. These are all really positive things for the women's team. They can use that momentum and the pedestal to continue to fight for equality and, and what they deserve with their Federation. I will say this. The result doesn't really matter that much to these people because they're coming off as gold medalists and they still weren't getting the respect that they deserve. So sometimes it's not really coming down to the performance. The women can do mm -hmm. everything they possibly can yeah. on the field mm -hmm. and it's still not going to show up in, a, in the terms of, of dollars, dollar dollar bills. Um, but when we come back, Lisa and Darren are going to give us a tactical breakdown on some of the key moments from this match. Stay with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to Attacking Third. Canada has advanced to the 2024 Paris Olympics. They do so as the reigning gold medalist after the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. And they're coming off of a rough World Cup, Darian. Uh, they underperformed. They didn't score enough goals. They, they really struggled in their group play. When you look at the World Cup and knowing that the Olympics were under 12 months later, what was the biggest area for Canada that they needed to improve upon? I think it was mentality energy. I know that there was a lot of stuff going on off the field, which I'm sure has such a big effect on how they were able to perform on the pitch. But I think having that chip on their shoulder where they're just going to go prove their federation wrong and prove why they should be invested in, even though they just won a freaking Olympics. Um, I think that that is what they were lacking in the World Cup. And other teams, you know what? Other countries are catching up. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a huge thing that we saw with even the U.S. in this World Cup is we don't know what's going to happen. Everyone's developing. Their youth programs are being more invested in. And so I think it was the push that Canada needed. And I think these next two games that we're about to break down actually showed how Canada is going to improve and build on this going into the Olympics. And in this yeah. first match against Jamaica, they proved it. it they it, they did. Exactly. Take us through it. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Canada is playing in a three back. Sometimes looks like a three, four, three, sometimes a three, five, two. And you see them popping into these pockets and it opens up these spaces wide where they're able to combine. And this little flick that goes to Ashley Lawrence, keep an eye on Nichelle Prince's movement. So she's going to drag her defender out and just watch Ashley Lawrence. We love to see her. This formation allows her to get the ball high and get into these crossing positions. And Nichelle Prince, watch how she fights her defender to get in front of this near post base and get that finish. And a welcome back to the Canadian national team <laughs> from injury. We're happy to see her and get a goal on board. Um, quick transition here. Hoytma is able to hold the ball up, which is her bread and butter. She's so good at this. Now watch Adriana Leon. They're able to get the ball forward, and it goes wide. And look at Jamaica's back line. They're kind of all in shambles. No one's connected. There's a huge gap between the goal, the goalkeeper and the back line that Adriana Leone is finally able to put one away. She was knocking at the door the entire second half. She actually had, I think, four or five opportunities where she got shots off, wasn't able to score, but past the 90th minute, she puts a goal away, gives Canada even more of a lead, and good start going into the next game. Yeah, I mean, really good start for Canada in this one. They end up with a 2-0 win over Jamaica. That's in Kingston, Jamaica. A, a mm -hmm. big two points on the aggregate for Canada. In that last play, Jamaica's back line was staggered and yeah. pulled apart. And as disjointed as Jamaica was in their defensive structure, we have to give a little bit of props to Canada because they were able to capitalize on that and utilize that unorganization from Jamaica's back line mm -hmm. to find those pockets, to create that space and to get two goals away from home. That was really good for them in this two-leg series against Jamaica. Then the Canadian women's national team, they traveled home to Toronto where they would play in the second leg against Jamaica. At this point, they're up 2-0 on the aggregate. They have to win this. There's a lot of pressure on them. They're playing at their home stadium. And Bev Priestman, head coach for Canada, she switches things up completely. She makes five different changes to the starting lineup. We saw a three back. We see it again in this match. The formation change for Canada. Darian, does it help them moving forward? I think it suits them really well. They have a stacked midfield. They have good three central defenders that I think can uh, push the ball out really well with pace and are able to ping balls wide, which is really good for Canada's attack. And I think, again, we're going to see Ashley Lawrence, who's a menace in the attack and going uh, going up towards the end line. But I think it suits them really well moving forward. I do think 
the only thing that when they play teams that are a little bit more solid attacking-wise and have a little yeah. bit more of an identity, they're going to be tested because Jamaica still was knocking on the door and testing them. They got a goal in the second leg. But um, I, they just need to keep building on that, and it's going to give them a lot of success. Jamaica did open the scoring in the second leg of these Olympic qualifiers. However, Canada, they were attacking. It's the wide space. Take a look at Grosso centrally. She was key in the movement for this game. But watch number two, bottom of your screen, because Sydney Collins created so much space. As Chloe Lacasse checks into this area, it opens up the spot in behind the Jamaican defense. The initial ball doesn't come, but it's a little up back through and Collins continues her run. She stays on side, makes this horizontal run and is ultimately able to get a shot off. Now it doesn't lead to a goal, but it does lead to the first corner kick of this match that then led to the equalizer. Yes, and here again we have Jordan Huitma, who her hold up play, her flicking ability, her dominance in the air leads to another goal by Canada. And again, our girl Ashley Lawrence going so end line for 1v1 ability. She's so good in the attack. I love this formation for her. Look at Jamaica's back line again. Now, Lacasse is able to stay in this pocket and drive forward towards the near post, and that brings Jamaica's outside back way out of position, and this movement frees up Jordan Hoytma, who we saw at the beginning of the play with the flick, get up the field into the box and score a goal, which we've seen her do so many times for club and for country, and it solidified Canada's qualification for the Olympics World Cup. It's the, Olympics. <laughs> the Olympics. Paris Olympics. Uh, Canada wins 4-1 on Agria over Jamaica. The two goals that Canada scored in this second leg, they came off crosses mm -hmm. and headers. How important is Canada's aerial presence moving forward, specifically looking at these Olympics, one in which that they're coming into them as the reigning gold medalist? Yeah, I mean, Canada, we spoke out in the World Cup, was really struggling to score and create different opportunities to score and I think this suits them well with their aerial ability and their dominance and the height that they have and the powerhouses that they have. Even Vanessa Gilles, we've seen yeah. her score so many goals for Lyon and for Canada off of her head. So I think this formation and giving them the ability to get wide and high and then send crosses in the box and get corner kicks and these free kicks where they can use that is going to help them immensely. And then even in the build-up plays we saw to some of their shots, was really good. I love how in the midfield they're able to bounce the ball around and pull teams out of position to get some shots. Canada only conceded one. It came on a Drew Spence set piece, but what can Canada tighten up? I think defensively. I think they're a little bit in shambles defensively. I mean, it's a new formation. Everyone's still getting used to each other, but I think the transitions that happen and how they're able to kind of get pulled out of position really needs to be solidified so that moving forward when they play teams that have a little bit of a better attacking presence and more of a solidified identity of how they're going to score, they know how to handle it and can trust that they will handle it and not let anything go through. This was two really big wins for Canada to get back on the map. They are still in a fight with their federation for equal play, some resources that they need. There's a lot happening behind the scenes, but they have qualified. Canada are going to the 2024 Paris Olympics, but there was other CONCACAF action happening during this international break. When we get back, Sandra Herrera joins us to talk about the W Gold Cup and everything CONCACAF. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? 
Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back into Attacking Third. It is now time to bring in Sandra Herrera, our CBS soccer reporter. Sandra, we have so many questions for you because it is the international break right now and CONCACAF Gold Cup, W Gold Cup, is going on right now. And I want to get you started here, Sandra. Costa Rica went from losing to Haiti to now completely dominating an 11-0 match. Talk me through this Costa Rica match. I think it was a necessary bounce back for Las Ticas. Let's let's be real. They they had a tough World Cup appearance coming out of that 2023 World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, and then immediately lumped into uh, the Group A, the League A groups for the road to Concacaf. Uh, w Gold Cup, which are alongside other heavy hitters in, in Mexico and Haiti. And we are looking at a team that is trying to find that next step once again in their program. Um, letting go of Amelia Valverde as their former head coach now. And what is going to come next for this team? So they had a rough going against Haiti. Were unable to really find their footing and walk away with an initial three points. So looking at a St. Kitts and Nevis trying to look at that as an opportunity to build on some things and it's pretty incredible what they did it's a little bit of a tale as well as kind of giving an overview and a picture of this CONCACAF region even within this region that is still looking and searching for respect on the global stage outside of teams like USA and Canada you still have some programs like Costa Rica that are trying to gain their footing or reset their program or a St. Kitts and Nevis that are trying to get more games to get more time together and this is going to be a tough one for them to look back on because 51 shots to one total oh, shot yeah. between the two sides. And then you've got 11 goals, double digit goals for, for Costa Rica, where maybe just maybe goal differential is going to come into play when you're looking at the head to heads between those heavy hitters in this group between Haiti and Costa Rica. Sandra, I mean, looking at that Costa Rican match, this is an opportunity for them to really turn things around. And that's what we're starting to see. Another nation that we need to start picking things up, Mexico. This is a nation that has struggled at the international stage over the last several years. They're finally starting to turn things around. They get a 2-1 win over Puerto Rico in the first group stage match, second one against Trinidad and Tobago. They earn the shutout, plus they get six on the board. What did you like from this Mexican side throughout these two matches and specifically the 6-0 win? Yeah, I think it was a good response for them against Puerto Rico. I would argue that that's not the way they wanted to start off their qualifier for the Gold Cup. They had an own, they scored all the goals in that yeah. game, including <laughs> the own goal in the opening five minutes for, for Puerto Rico. Uh, so I think they, they really kind of had to dig deep. I think we see Mexico at times as a team, they almost look like they're out there on the pitch, still playing under the shadows of some former demons, you know, with, the, with, with this program and not having been able to qualify for the last previous two World Cups after breaking uh, through on the scene once more in 2015 and really kind of searching for for answers uh, ever, ever since. So to kind of have that early uh, own goal take place against Puerto Rico and we saw them kind of play almost um, too frantic to a point where we saw a collision between Diana Ordonez and a teammate, but they eventually turned it around and were able to get that result and then kind of carry that and roll that over against Trinidad and Tobago where they scored all of those goals in the entire first half, kind of 
saying, this is done and dusted. We're going to come out here, handle business, and make sure that we just go along our merry way. I think you look at those individual performances over the course of these two matches. I think you have to highlight Maria Sanchez in this case. I thought she had an incredible two games for Mexico. And I would even argue that Charlene Corral really stepped up for this team. One of the veterans of this program has been a name associated and affiliated with Three Feminel for a very, very long time. Finally made her return back to Liga MX Feminel and has kind of integrated her way back onto the scene with this national team program and was relied upon in that first game against Puerto Rico to help this team kind of reset and get focused back into uh, turning things around for a win and then getting the start because of uh, that performance uh, against Puerto Rico and then against Trinidad and Tobago. So everyone like had a, a case to make in this in this second match. I mean, not only did they get the six goals, you get it with uh, six different uh, or excuse me, five different goal scorers with Cervantes getting uh, the brace in this match. So a lot of positives to take away. There's a number of games that they have to play in the buildup to qualify to be one of those final 12 teams in the Gold Cup. So the fact that they've got two wins, six points in their group under League A is going to, you know, suit well for them moving forward. They're already the front runners. Sandra, you mentioned Diana Ordonia is going out with a little bit of an injury. Is there any update on her and her status right now? Yeah, it was it was tough to see that on the scene. As soon as you see blood, you're like, what does it all mean? Uh, but tough collision of heads. It looked like off of a set piece as as they were the team was really kind of frantically trying to find that that equalizer between her and I believe it was uh, Birken Road at the time. And it looked like a laceration on the side of the head with uh, near the ear. So thankfully, her family was in attendance. Uh, her father ended up heading with her to to the hospital via ambulance, and she also made a, a, a social media post saying, "I'm good." I'm fine. We're going to move on. Best of luck to the team and their uh, remaining matches. So she's already back in market, going to get reevaluated. Uh, I'm sure there will be an update leading up into this week's matches in NWSL. Sandra, to me at least, Mexico, as you pointed out, seem to be moving with a little bit more confidence. They seem to be a little bit more resilient. Do you think that they're moving in a positive trajectory and that they can sort of tuck some of these wins under their arm and move forward? I feel like if you looked at both the men's side and the women's side programs, the women, to me, seem like the more sure bet in terms of Mexico's success moving forward. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think there's also a level of, of this team needing to get to a point where they could just kind of play with some some freedom and some fun. I think we saw during that 2022 World Cup qualifier process, um, they kind of crumbled a little bit under the pressure and the way of wanting to, to be that team, to shed that narrative and break away and punch their ticket to the World Cup. And that didn't happen for a second consecutive time. Um, the fact that they were building up into that specific World Cup qualifier tournament and you had their former head coach Monica Vergara kind of alluding to the fact that she had to have conversations with some of the older players to to leave that garbage in the past like don't put that on these newer younger uh, faces on the team that's not you know their burden to carry so kind of hearing that in the build-up to that qualifier it kind of maybe rang a little bit of alarms and we we saw them kind of uh, succumb to that pressure so to see these games with maybe some stakes on the line going up against other competition within the region. It's all about baby steps when you're building up your program. And if you can sort of become one of uh, one of those heavy hitters again within your own region, then you take that next step when you start kind of seeing where you lie between other uh, competitions worldwide. So uh, I liked what we saw out of these two games. Uh, I think it gives a lot of hope for, for the program moving forward. I think it's two very different games where they saw that first game against Puerto Rico. Maybe there were some things that they didn't like and they want to work on. And then they take that second game against Trinidad 
Trinidad and try to take those two, put them together, and maybe put together a full 90 minutes uh, performance in the next round. Sandra, Canada solidified their spot in the Paris Olympics. Now, we saw that Brett Peaceman was speaking about how they needed a new energy and a mindset shift going into these games. And I was personally holding my breath a little bit. I wasn't sure how Canada was going to come out against this Jamaican team, who actually, they did well. They put up a good fight. What do you think is next for this Canada squad? They have a new formation and a 3-4-3. Do you think that that's the change they needed to have some success going into the Olympics? I do. I think uh, head coach Beth Priestman, I think, made the right move, uh, talking a little bit right now about Mexico and trying new things and maybe hitting a reset button a little bit to help bring a little bit of different energy or maybe take some pressure off is helpful. And I think when a head coach recognizes that the next tournament in front of them, they need to try some new things, that bodes well for, for the program. So to see them kind of roll out in a three-back, it obviously worked well against Jamaica. Maybe this is an opportunity to say, look at all this talent that we have on the roster. Maybe we should be a, a program that tinkers with the formation from time to time, depending on who we're going up against. Uh, so maybe uh, when they get together and they go up against uh, a different international team in the October window, we might see something different again. So the fact that this is a team full of players who are smart enough and adaptable enough to go ahead and uh, you know absorb that information, take on a new formation, roll out the new tactics and get it done, I think says a lot about the program. I think the fact that you want to try to integrate more of the newer names, fresher faces within those lineups, I think says a lot about Priestman and the team as well. Um, having those conversations about how to utilize your veterans moving forward are never easy, right? Because these are players that have been with the team for a long time. So to have a Christine Sinclair kind of understand and accept her role moving forward, kind of evaluating and reevaluating as they go, I think will help out Canada in this next international cycle heading towards the Olympic because they've got a gold medal to defend. And it looks like they're pretty locked in at that at this moment, despite still some of the, the ongoing issues and disputes with their federation. Right now, there's that interim agreement in place. Yes, there are some uh, you know, significant uh, bumps in resolutions and pay and things like that. But there's still a period of trust rebuilding that's going on for this team and their federation. And I think having two wins like this, clinching a spot in the Olympics, only works in the players' favor moving forward. Sandra, can you touch on speaking of a team also having issues with their federation? This Jamaican squad, Lauren Donaldson, we're really unsure of his future and really where this team is going to go, but they have so much potential. What do you think is next for them and what do they need to do to really back their players and develop this into a program we all know it can be? Yeah, absolutely, Darian. Look, I, I hope that they don't lose any of this momentum that they have developed over the course of the World Cup and now making this exit. So they clinched this uh, place going up against Canada for this Olympic play-on through that World Cup qualifier last summer in 2022. So they unfortunately fell short of clinching that extra CONCACAF spot in the Olympics. But this means that they have to look ahead to their potential place in the upcoming Gold Cup as well. So they will now slot in to, I believe it is League B, alongside Panama and Guatemala and others uh, to go ahead and compete for a spot as one of the final 12 teams in that upcoming Gold Cup tournament that's going to take place in February of 2024. So they still have got things to play for here. Now, where Lauren Donaldson will lie in that remains to be seen. His contract uh, came up with uh, Jamaica at the, sort of the post-exit of the World Cup. He said he was going to stay on with this team to help see them through this Olympic play-in, and we'll see if Jamaica Jamaica wants to retain his services moving forward or 
perhaps there's another national team program or two out there that want to take a look at Lauren Donald and take a look at how he helped get this Jamaican side to their first ever knockout in any World Cup and uh, maybe try to see if, if there's a different position out there that would like to retain his services. So uh, we'll see. It's a Lauren Donaldson watch for sure. Thank you so much, Sandra. I think it's interesting. I think obviously Jamaica would want to retain his services because of how well that team did with him on board. Um, but definitely other national teams should be looking for his services as well. We appreciate you as always, Sandra. NWSL free agency is upon us with so many superstar players on the market. We could not not pick our own five aside via only free agency players. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Okay, it's free agency time. It's open. Uh, these are the lists of free agents that are ah, pretty significant, uh, I would say. And we have made our five-a-side teams each, um, not just upon this list, but with all the free agents that are out and about. Um, Darian, let's get started with your five-a-side team, who you would have repping you. Yeah, how you, who you would have repping you. Team Darian. I was going to think, I was going to say, <laughs> if you were also on the pitch, but then that was out of line. Wait, so. wait, did we not all do this, assuming at least partially you're a little bit on the pitch? Right, because yeah, I'm a sub. I'm who coming in, and then I'm me. playing with them. <laughs> Touch in. All right, Darian, go for it. So I would name my team the Boston Baddies. <laughs> Boston Baddies, this is who I would want as a part of the team. So first I would go with Rose Lavelle. Boom, she's in the middle. Uh, Nagasato up top with Mal Swanson. I want the 1v1, the combination players up there. I think that they'll tiki-taka all around the field. Um, the 1v1 ability and then the finishing. Each of these players are such good finishers with both feet. Um, decent in the air. I just think free kick specialists, like it's going to be a fighting match of who gets to take free kicks. Um, and then we have Dunny and Sonnet in the back because I wanted some big hitters like that. Sonnet is a beast. I do not want to go into tackles against her. I would love to play with her on my team or cope. Maybe I'm the coach or something in this. I don't know. <laughs> but um, that's why I picked Sonnet and Dunny in the back. Let Dunny go forward, go 1v1, be a part of the attack, and Sonnet can distribute the ball and just keep things calm and be there with some bark and some bite when we need her. This is my five-a-side team. That's who I'm rocking with. I love all of these players. It was actually really difficult to choose. It's so difficult. It was, so it was really hard. The list this was very list long. Is yeah, long. It was okay. longer than I expected. That's what I was trying to say about the list that we're seeing now is not the full list. There are many, many more players than was just on the, F, the full screen right there. Yeah, there's about 75 players on, on the full free agency list. Yeah, it's a, it's a hefty chunk of talented Extensive players. Extensive list. Christine Cooper, who did you go with? 
Oh, I, I chose very, very, very wisely. I think <laughs> she took this opinion, almost right? as seriously as she took naming the Boston team. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> I, I doubled out. No, but when I, I had envisioned this and I was like, okay, I've played a lot of five aside, so I want very versatile players. So you're going to say, Christine, that's a little bit crazy. You chose an awful lot of defenders. But I digress. Okay, we have Sarah Gordon, zippy one, right? She's got speed. She's great on the ball. She's pretty versatile. Then we have Jess McDonald, which I did not do this formation, but sure, we could see how this could go with this. So Jess McDonald, I'm trying to channel her North Carolina courage era yes. goal scoring. She's got the maturity. She knows she's smart, right? You're good on a five-a-side in that way. Sinead Fairley coming out of Gotham. However, in the very beginning of her career, she's one of the best box-to-boxers in the game. So I feel like we can channel some of that here. Emily Fox, sly in the box. We got this, okay? So, and then last but not least, we have Becky Sauerbrunn, who's, who's going to go against Reba? I mean, come on. Everybody cheers when she scores a goal. She's very, very smart in the back to lock it down. You know, maybe I get like 30 seconds on this pitch with her. <laughs> I love it. I'll give yourself more time than that. I mean, that's a, that's a solid group. You've got some speed on that mm -hmm. left flank with Sarah Gordon Emily Fox. Woo. But why was Sarah Gordon up top? I don't, I didn't, okay. <laughs> full, full disclosure, I did not give an actual uh, tactical. tactical. I didn't lineup. either. I said, here's what I want. I want a very defensive side because you need the versatility when you're playing small side where like, yes, you have, to me, at least logically, as a midfielder who is not a great defender, you want to have really good defenders that are able to go up and that are capable of scoring goals. So I went a little bit more defensively minded. I like that. That's pretty much how I built mine as well. Oh my gosh, I was just about to say, what a flawed concept. <laughs> all attackers can defend. Can all defenders attack? Absolutely no, okay. not. So attacking heavy. Right, like, but I chose the best so of the I best defenders versatility to attack. heavy. I went versatility heavy. Okay. In my five aside with this, this roster that I have pulled out there, um, some players that we've already seen a little bit out there. Emily Fox is my versatility player because Tierna Davidson is going to lock it down in the back. She's not going to stray too much. She's a really smart defender and she's got a super high soccer IQ. You also don't have to run too much in five aside if you've got one that's going to hold. Emily Fox is going to be everywhere on, on the five-a-side pitch. She's going to be in the attacking 18-yard box. She's going to be on the right side. She's going to be on the left. She's going to also get back and defend. So she's my wild card to have free range to roam. Rose Lavelle is going to hold down the midfield. She's got the crafty skills, but she can also uh, put pressure on initially to slow down the play and transition. And then, of course, Crystal Dunn and Mallory Swanson. I did give a tactical, and I did put Dunn up top on <laughs> purpose. Yes! I, I love this. Uh, she's going to start the counter press for, for my five-a-side team. She's going to put pressure on, and then as soon as she gets the ball, she's just going to whip shots in there with Swanson following up. Uh, I mean, we're going all the way to the ship. I'm also very versatile in my roster. I really like that, and I'm seeing a point of connection in all of our rosters, but we'll get to that after we show mine. Uh, shall <laughs> Is we, it shall good we? taste? Because I think it's good I, taste. We do have good taste. <laughs> Okay, everyone got some Crystal Dunn, some Emily Fox, because they're just warriors. They're wonderful. Um, Crystal Dunn, one of the most dynamic players that there are. Obviously, she can play in any role, great with both feet. She's ability to tackle, her on the dribble. Her, she's just gritty all around. Absolute total fan of Crystal Dunn. Emily Fox, she's got the pace, the agility that's just unmatched. Um, she can do anything. She crosses it on a dime. She reads moments well. So I would, I would keep her in the back because of her ability to intercept those balls. Casey Kruger is next to her there because she's rock solid. You know, she 
fish strong. She's just a warrior. I just want her to stay back there and make sure that nothing goes through. Interceptions as well there. Uh, Mallory Swanson up top. We love to see her back. Um, she's just unstoppable off the dribble. She has the ability to create. Her 1v1 is incredible. And then Farley. She's just so clean technically. I want her controlling the absolute pace of the game, which you can see her do whenever she plays. Like everything moves how she moves. The pace of what she does just kind of reverberates through. Um, and that's that's who I want in the engine in my midfield. But I can also switch that. She can also move forward and we can bring Crystal Dunn into the midfield and she also has the ability to create, but in a different way in the pace wise. Not as not as pace controlling as much as like vision controlling mm -hmm. and anyways I, clearly I, I feel I strongly. I like that I honestly really like that a lot I love Casey Kruger in your back line because five aside yeah. is quick transition and a long diagonal switch and that's what Kruger Ooh. can give you too mm -hmm. she can cut inside she can go right she can go left I like it Jenny thank you we'll thank get our you. squads out there playing and, and we'll see who makes playoffs. <laughs> well, how, how do we do that when we've like multiple same players. <laughs> <laughs> They'll rotate in. That's when we get to sub on her. Yeah, we get to they're on sub. the other one. <laughs> All right, ladies. Uh, last is the best, so mine wins. Oh, come on. This is lame. I'm just going to All right, all right. Attacking third, thank you so much for joining us. From all of us here, thank you. We'll see you on Friday.